Go ahead and take your Bibles this morning and turn to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. I was, you know, we've, we have this theme going on Lord, send the laborers. And we've been talking a lot about laboring and just getting involved in the church and finding your place in the church, the things you can do. Last week we talked about the value of that one soul that's out there that needs to be reached and just the importance of what we're doing. What we do here is so important. I mean, it is, it's the most important thing that can be done. We're talking about souls and we're talking about the things that are spiritual. These are the things that are eternal. They are what really matter. So it's very, very important. And I was reading through several scriptures on labor and uh, I noticed this one, and uh, labor is mentioned several times in Revelation chapter two. And there's a message here that God, Jesus Christ, is giving to a church, and He's specifically talking to a church, and He talks about their labor, and He, but He points out something that was missing in this church that I want to make sure that we do not ever lose in this church. If we have our labor and everything else right, if we forget this one most important thing, the first thing, call this message, keeping first things first, then we're going to be in big trouble. But let's read this passage in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, Under the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. That's talking about Jesus Christ. He's under the angel of the church. And an angel is not always talking about this heavenly being. An angel is a messenger. And he's talking to the pastor in this church. And he's wanting, he's wanting to get this message to this church in Ephesus. And he says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and has found them liars. You know how they were able to find these people liars? This church, they knew the Scripture. They knew what the Bible said. And they followed it. And so they were able to spot the liars. This church, they were doing all, they were doing the work. I mean, this church had it together. If you and I were to go back in time and visit this church, we would think, man, this is a great church. This is a model church right here. They are doing everything right. And he says, and has borne them and has patience and for my name's sake has labored and not fainted. That's a good thing to labor for the Lord and not give up, to not, to just keep on going. That's what this church was doing. But he says in verse 4, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works. Or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. In other words, I'll, I'll remove you as a church. Your church will no longer exist. They tell you, there's, there's been many great churches in the past. Great churches that did wonderful things. Wonderful ministries. Did amazing works for Christ that are no longer in existence. And we are not guaranteed to be around until the Lord comes. And we uh, we want God to use us, and we want to be around for a long time, and we don't want Him removing Liberty Baptist Church. But if we're not careful, if we leave our first love, we are in danger of that happening. He said, if you don't go back and do the first works, if you don't repent, I'll remove your candlestick. And then in verse six, but this thou hast that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans. 
uh, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Notice this church in Ephesus. This church, they had their doctrine right. Boy, this church, they were preaching the truth. If you went there, you were going to hear the truth. They were going to, they, I mean, they had the right Bible up there. They were preaching doctrinally correct. I mean, they were, uh, it was the right kind of church. The church was doing the work that they were supposed to do. If you and I were to go to that church and look and see the, the work that they were doing in this church, we would be impressed. I mean, look at how hard these people are working. Look how involved they are. Look how, how many people are working in this church and serving in different areas. We would be impressed with the work that they were doing. It had the, it had the right kind of people in it. This wasn't just a group of people that looked good when they were at church, but during the week they were completely different. I mean, these were, these were good people. If you were to meet these people out in public or if you were to work with these people, you weren't going to hear them cussing on the job. You weren't going to hear them talking nasty. They were, they were good people. They probably helped their neighbors. They did good works. They, uh, you know, they helped the poor and the sick and they, they did all the things they were supposed to do as Christians. God doesn't say, God says, I see your labors. I mean, they were working hard. God was impressed with the fact that they had kept laboring and they hadn't fainted. They hadn't given up. And so, uh, this church, they were faithful long term. That's something I, I want us to be here. I want, I mean, God looks at faithfulness. And boy, we can, if we just do good for a year or two, you know, no, we want to be faithful long term. For the long haul. For our, I want to be faithful my whole life. Not just part of my life. The truth is, if it's only part of your life and you weren't really faithful, were you? This is a lifelong thing. We want to be that way. And this church was. This church was also separated from the world. They didn't allow the junk from the world to come into this into their church. They stayed separated from all that. They stayed close to God. They didn't compromise. I mean, when we look at this church, by all of our standards, we would be impressed. This is a model church. But he, Jesus says, I have somewhat against thee. And no, and no, he's, there was a problem there. They had left their first love. And notice also that Jesus, He didn't commend them for any of those things that they were doing right. He didn't go, He didn't go to that church and say, hey, I commend you because you've got a great soul winning program. I commend you because, you know, you are, you're doing a great job just, you know, being a witness and He doesn't, He, He note, He points out that He sees what they're doing. That he notices their labor, but notice the only thing he commends them for was the fact that they hated the deed of the Nicolaitans. And this tells us that we can be doing everything right when it comes to the external things, but you know, if we're doing right for the wrong reason, it really doesn't matter. And the Nicolaitans, uh, you know, the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about them, but according to history, this was a church that, it was a group of people that tried to mix in the world with the church. They tried to mix in paganism with the church. They thought, you know what? You know, let's let's try to make everybody happy. And boy, God hated that. We don't want to mix in the world stuff with God's stuff. We're supposed to be separate from the world, and that's another message there. But so Jesus didn't he didn't commend him for any of those things. And you know what? The truth is, many times as Christians, if we're not careful, we can be doing all the outward things right. 
And we wonder maybe why God's not blessing us. And I wonder if it's because we've forgotten the first and most important thing, and that is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. Jesus said that's the first and the greatest commandment is to love the Lord. And this church, somewhere, I don't know how it happened exactly, but while they got busy doing all the things they were supposed to do, and somewhere along the lines, they forgot why they were doing it. They forgot why they were laboring. They forgot why they were coming to church and why they were preaching. They forgot why they were helping other people. The truth is, it wasn't the the reason was was it was because of Jesus Christ. That's why they started it. The reason they started going to church, they wanted to learn about Jesus. They loved Him. He'd save their souls. They wanted to tell other people about Jesus. They wanted to get together with other people and sing praises to His name and worship Him because they loved Him. But somewhere along the lines, it just became a formality to them. They were just going through the motions. And they were doing it for the wrong reason. And it was serious enough that even though everything was right on the outside, Jesus said, I'll take your, I'll remove your candlestick from the church. I'll, I'll, I'll finish you as a church if you don't repent and if you don't get this thing right. And we've got to remember that loving God has to be the priority. Got, that's the main thing. Listen, I hope that we are doing the labors and we're doing everything right on the outside. But if we forget this thing of loving God like we're supposed to, we're going to be in big trouble. We're just going to be going through the motions. It's going to be empty. It's going to be for nothing. And I know that's not what I want. I know that's not what you want. So how do we keep that from happening? How do we stop that? Because it can if it happened to them, it can happen to anybody. It can definitely happen to us. And just a few things I want to give you this morning on how we can keep first things first. How we can remember to love the Lord like we're supposed to. And the first thing that we need to do is we need to remind ourselves often of what God did for us. We need to remind ourselves what God did for us. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, it says, We loved Him because He first loved us. We've got to remember that. If you love God today, it's because He loved you first. He was good to you first. And so anything that we do for God, any good thing we do for God, it's us just giving something back in return. You cannot love God more than He loves you. You cannot give God more than He has given you. You can't do that. You can't, that, that is impossible. Therefore, anything that we do for God is because He initiated it. Any love we show for Him, it's because He initiated it. And we need to remember that. We need to remember the fact that God loved us first before we loved Him. Maybe, so I never hated God. Well, maybe you never hated God, but there was, maybe there was, I guarantee there was a time when you weren't thinking about God. When He was not the priority in your life. Bible, first of the Ten Commandments, Thou shalt have no other gods before Me. God is supposed to be first in our lives. And you know, you can say you love God, but He might be number three, four, five down the list. He's supposed to be number one. We're supposed to love Him with all our heart. If you just love Him with part of your heart, you're breaking the greatest commandment. A lot of times we think, you know, what's the worst sin? Well, killing somebody. That's the worst sin. Well, I believe the greatest sin would be to disobey the greatest commandment. That's loving the Lord. 
with all your heart. Killing somebody, that would go into the category of the second greatest and not loving your neighbor. Okay, You don't kill somebody that you love, do you? And so, But the greatest commandment, not loving the Lord with all your heart. And so, uh, we need to remind ourselves, and one of the ways that we can remind ourselves is give your testimony often. You know, it's a good thing to share with others what Jesus did for you when He saved your soul. It's a good thing to tell other people about when you got saved. It's a good thing to maybe in church sometime to give your testimony. Just tell people about when you got saved. It's good for other people to hear that. It encourages them. Sometimes there's maybe, you know, you'll hear my testimony probably a thousand times if you keep coming to church here. But you know what? Sometimes it's good to hear somebody else's testimony because maybe there's something in their life and that's in your life that they might have in common with you and it can kind of help them see their need and help them understand some things. And it's good for everybody else when you give your testimony, but it's good for you because when you start talking about when you got saved, it just it causes you to get excited about it again. I mean, it's it's a reminder, man. I can't believe he saved my soul. I can't believe that God loved me enough to save me and give me eternal life. I didn't deserve it. When you give your testimony, it reminds you of those things. A lot of people that are Christians today and on their way to heaven, they've been saved for so long and they've had their act together for so long. It's like they think that they deserve heaven now. It's like they forget. No, you're going to heaven because of the grace of God. They think, oh, I'm going to heaven because you know, I've been going to church for 40 years. Who cares? You know, who cares what you've done for God? It doesn't even compare to what He's done for you. You love Him because He loved you first. And we, that is biblical. And when we give our testimony, it reminds us of that. I love giving my testimony. I love hearing other people's testimony. I like hearing about when people got saved. It's good for many reasons. It's good for your family. One of these days, I hate to break it to you, but we're not all we're not going to live forever unless we make it to the rapture, and we're going to pass on one of these days, and we're going to have a funeral. And it would be great if your family knew when you if you were saved or not. I've been at those funerals before people that I cared about and loved and you weren't real sure. You didn't know their testimony. They never talked about it. I mean, I think they were saved. They seemed to go to church every now and then, but honestly, I don't know. I don't know when if they ever gave their heart to Christ. I don't know when it was. I never heard the story. You know, My dad, of course, he was my pastor all my life up until he came out here. I've heard his testimony a billion times. And you know what? I'm glad that I know that story. When the time goes where he passes on, it's going to help me to know, hey, I remember my dad told the story a thousand times when he got saved and what happened there. And it's comforting to other people. But another thing, too, another way we remind ourselves what God did for us is by trying to see other people get saved. You know, when we get, you know, some people, I think they, you know, when they got saved, it excited them so much. And it thrilled their heart so much. It's like they want to they get they want to keep getting saved again. And you know you only get saved one time. But at the same time, one thing that we can do is you can kind of relive that experience when you see somebody else get saved. When you tell somebody else about Christ, you tell and you maybe you give them your testimony. Hey, this this is why I know that I'm going to heaven. It's not you know you know me. You know I don't 
deserve to go to heaven. You know I'm no better than you are. But you know what? There was a time when I confessed my sins to Jesus Christ. I asked Him to forgive me of my sins and to be my Savior. And look at what the Bible says about it. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I think that means me too. And if it means me, I'm sure it means you too. And boy, you see that person. I love hearing people pray that sinner's prayer. It reminds me of when I did it. It reminds me of what God did for me. And it causes me to love Him more. When I when I remind myself of that, and I love seeing other people get saved. Think about, also think about where you were or where you could be. Think about what God saved you out of. There may be some in here. There was, you could tell us some stories that would scare us to death about where you used to be in your life. Maybe some wickedness that you used to be involved in. I tell you, I remember uh, at my dad's church there were some folks that uh, I remember were, they brought some. They showed some pictures of themselves before they got saved. And I was just, I was shocked. I was like. That's you? I mean, you mean just some crazy looking people. Uh, the Pastor Terry Angel that's going to be here Tuesday. I've heard there's pictures out there of him with long hair that I just, that I guess he was pretty rough character before he got saved. I cannot even imagine that. I would love to see those pictures. I have not had the opportunity yet, but I'd love to see it because I just, I can't even imagine it. He's one of these people, you know, you just, you think, you, you meet him, you just think he was saved. From the time he was born, but he wasn't. Uh, he, he got saved just like everybody else, and he he was a sinner just like everybody else. And um, but we need to think about that. I, I think about that often. I, I try to think, imagine where I would be if I wasn't saved. You know, I was privileged to go to grow up in a preacher's home, but you know, my dad came from a family of nine children, and um, you know, they didn't all turn out like he did. He was very blessed and privileged that his uncle, who was a pastor, saw the rough situation that he was in and took him in. He got to live with his uncle and for the first time in his life got to see a real, true Christian. Somebody that was for real. And it changed his life. And many of my cousins and relatives, I I see the life that they're living now and just some of the wickedness that's going on. I've I've got cousins in prison and I've got cousins that are dead uh, You know, from... Just the lifestyle that they lived. And sometimes I try to imagine myself in that position. Because that could have been me. That could have been, there's, that could have been me. I could be the one sitting in jail today. I could be in prison. You know, we, sin, there are no, I mean, sin can take you so low. You can't even imagine if you're not careful. And what, and the things that God saved us from, I mean, in fact, we've been saved from an eternity in hell. I mean, that ought, right there ought to cause us to never stop loving Him for one second. But even just the things that we've been saved from on this earth. We, I, mean, you're, I, just, I can't even stand listening to the news anymore. I, just, I can't stand it. There is just so much bad news out there. I hear some of these stories about some of the wickedness and things going on out there. And it just makes me sick to think that that kind of stuff can go on. In our world, it just scares me sometimes. The things that people will do to children are just, you know, you want to take your kids and, you know, lock them up in your house and never let them go because there's so much wickedness out there. I can't stand even hearing it. But, you know, at the same time, I got to remember that there is no reason in the world why that couldn't be me. And we need to remind ourselves of that. We, we've got to constantly remember what God has done for us. And there are churches today where there'll be people that will come in to the church rough. 
looking people. People that whose lives are wrecked. And people in the church will look down on them and make them feel unwelcome. And not maybe even want them around because I don't know if we want to deal with that mess that just came in. And I'm telling you right now, any Christian that would have that attitude has left their first love. They have forgotten what Jesus Christ did for them. They're not reminding themselves of what God did for him when He saved them and how He loved them first. And I'm telling you, when we remember those things, we're going to see people like that and we are going to, we're going to get excited. Because hey, this is another life that God can change. This is another soul that's walking here that, that could get saved and could go to heaven and spend eternity with us. And it's going to excite us. But we've got to remind ourselves constantly. Remind yourself what God, what God did for you. If you know the date when you got saved, you might not know the date. If you know the date, mark it on your calendar. And you know what? Remind yourself of it. You know, give the testimony to church. Hey, today is my spiritual birthday. My first spiritual birthday. My 20th spiritual birthday. If you know the date, then celebrate it. Remind yourself. Also, remind yourself of who you're serving. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter, we're not going to read the whole passage, but a very familiar passage of Scripture. Because when it comes to labor, when it comes to laboring, when it comes to working, especially in the church, we're working and we're laboring with people, aren't we? I mean, we're if you if you're teaching a Sunday school class, you're working with kids. They can be a pain in the neck sometimes. They can drive you crazy. You know, if you're working in a nursery, you know, you're working with babies. Some of them are brats. Some of them, you know, they make messes that smell really bad, and it's just it's work. It's working. You know, if you've worked with our daughter Allie, she can kind of get a little sassy sometimes and a little mouthy, and just kind of a you know, she can kind of be a pain. And it's work. We're working with people, aren't we? I mean, that they're the ones. That we look at, you know, I've been, uh, you know, I've been trying trying to serve God for a long time now, and you know, I've never seen Jesus face to face. I haven't got to meet Him personally yet. I'm always working with people, and sometimes, boy, they can be a pain in the neck. Sometimes you can do nice things for people, and they get mad at you because you didn't do something just right. I remember the first time I I had just become the official. Part-time assistant pastor at Lighthouse Baptist Church. I and I'm I'm all excited. And it was my first. It was my first week. I, I was song leader. My first week leading singing. And I remember I made a mistake. Uh, I remember I got a offertory together, uh, or somebody wanted to, was going to play the piano for the offering, and you know, I told them they could. Well, I forgot to tell the regular pianist about it. And I remember in the. And the organist, they were planning on playing to do it. I forgot. It was my fault. And I remember uh, they came, ushers came forward to pray, and then one went up there to go play the piano, and the lady's like, the piano's like, oh, okay. You know, so she went and sat down and didn't know, and then she started to play the piano, and the organist started to play, and they weren't playing the same song. And she looks down, and it's somebody else at the piano playing a different song. Embarrassed her. I felt bad. And man, she chewed me out. After service, I mean, man, she let me have it, and I was apologizing. I said it was my fault. I, I just, yeah, you know, I. But man, she let me have it. Two weeks later, she let me have it because the front door that nobody used was locked, and she had tried to get in that door. And apparently, since I was the new 
part-time assistant pastor. That was my responsibility to make sure the front door is locked. I'll, I'll bet we're the only Baptist church in town that doesn't have their front door open. Huh? That's exactly how she approached me. Letting she just let me have it. Hey, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to do good, try to serve people. And it's like, Lord, why do I have to put up with this? This isn't worth it. I'm only getting a hundred dollars a week. Forget this. I don't want to do. I don't want to do this anymore. And people, well, they're the ones we look at all the time. And sometimes you just get to looking at people, and you know what? You get weary and you get tired. Well, I was. I, was, I taught in the school for six years. Man, I had to remind myself who I was really serving. So let me tell you, them kids, junior high boys. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I don't even know why they go to school during that age. They ought to just skip school for a couple years. They don't learn a thing. They just they go brain dead during that time. And man, you just want to I, you want to strangle them, but you're not allowed to strangle them. And, you know, they're not your, they're not your kids. And, I mean, just frustrating sometimes. But in Matthew chapter 25, we see where Jesus he's giving it, he's talking about. Someday at judgment, how he's going to tell people that, hey, I was you saw me hungry and you didn't feed me. You saw me thirsty, you didn't give me a drink. I was in prison and you didn't even visit me. And the people are saying, Lord, when did this happen? And he said, when you didn't do it to the least of these, you didn't do it to me. But then there's going to be others that he commends. And he rewards because they fed him. They clothed him. They gave him to drink. They visited him in prison. They're going to think, when did we do this for you, Lord? When you did it to the least of these. And we've got to remind ourselves when it comes to our labor in the church that it's the Lord that we're really serving. It's God that we're serving. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He can't show up in person to comfort those who are grieving. So, we we have to do, we do that on his behalf. We do that for him, and in a sense, God says it's like you're not only doing it for me, you're doing it to me. Because the truth is, when you are hurting, he's hurting. When you're grieving, he's grieving. And so when we come, when you comfort somebody, or when we comfort you, it's comforting to him. And we're going to be rewarded just as if we did it for Him. If Jesus Christ came walking in here today, we'd all be falling all over ourselves trying to serve Him and trying to welcome Him and trying to make Him the guest of honor and think He's making Him feel comfortable and welcome that He's the greatest. But you know, the Bible says that He's not impressed with that. But when we do that to others, He is impressed with that. And we've got to remind ourselves of who we're really serving because if we're not careful, we're going to get real busy doing the work and we're going to get to looking at the people. And it's, we're going to get weary. We're going to get tired. We're going to get annoyed. And we're going to want to give up. And we need to remember how Jesus endured the cross whenever you are weary. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. If you want to turn over there. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus didn't enjoy the cross. He endured the cross. How was he able to do that? For the joy that was set before him. 
when it comes to laboring for God, when it comes to serving in the church, there's going to be times when you're just enduring. There's going to be times when it, you know, sometimes it's fun. Sometimes, you know, man, there's, listen, there's days where I'm just, I'm excited, I'm ready to get up and preach. I mean, you couldn't stop me if you tried to do it. But then there's other times, sometimes you don't feel like it. Sometimes you just, you don't want to serve. You just want to think about yourself. I need to think about me. I need some me time right now. Now, that's a popular word these days. I mean, we're, we're very self-centered these days. Sometimes we have to endure. And one of the ways we get through that is we remember, you know what? I'm tired. I'm weary. I don't feel like doing this. But you know what? I'll bet there were several moments when Jesus was on the cross where He felt like saying, Lord, send the angels to come get me off this cross. And let's just wipe these people out. And be done with it. I guarantee he felt that a few times. But for the joy that was set before him, because he loved us so much, the thought of us being in heaven with him was what got him through. And I'm telling you right now, we've got it in our minds. Think about standing before Christ someday and hearing him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That will get us through those difficult times. That will cause us to continue to stay faithful. We've got to remember Jesus Christ. We've got to remember who we're serving. We're serving Him. The One who died on the cross for us. I think I can, I can do it for Him. You know, there's people that we all care about that we would we'd bend over backwards to help. We would do without to help them. We would sacrifice. And then there's others who could really care less. And that's sad, but with, when it comes to Jesus Christ, and serving God, we ought to be willing to do literally anything. We ought to be willing to give all. We need to also remember who's watching us. We see there in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 12 that says we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. We are, I believe that we are being watched by those who have gone on before us. They see what's going on. They see us laboring. They see us get tired. I mean, you've probably been there before at a, at a ball game or a, any kind of sporting event where the people are out there and sometimes they're getting tired. Maybe they're playing basketball and they, it's a long game, it's been a hard game, and they are tired and you're just, you're just yelling for them. It's like, just don't give up. Keep going. Don't quit. And I believe there's people in heaven doing that right now that are watching you and telling you, don't give up. Don't quit. We need to think about that. And it will motivate us to keep on working and to keep on serving. Galatians 6.9 says, "...and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not." Listen, I can promise you based on the Word of God that Liberty Baptist Church, that as long as we just keep on going, as long as we don't quit, we're going to reap some great things. The Bible says you'll reap if you faint not. Okay, Which tells me that we might feel like fainting sometimes. There's going to be times when we feel like giving up. There's going to be times, it says, be not weary in well-doing for a new season. In other words, we're going to feel that way. We're going to be tempted to want to give up and to want to just lay down and to want to quit. I've heard many people before they make this statement, you know, we just need to take a break for a while. From church, we need to pray, take a break from serving God. You know what I found out? Whenever people say that, those breaks never end. They just keep on going. You know what happens? They fainted, 
And if you will just keep on going, that's why I'm thankful for these people that we've had here. Your brother Koski that was here Tuesday night. I was glad he gave the testimony about their church. I remember when I first time I ever heard him preach, it was when they were going through a difficult battle, when they were about to lose their building and stuff because of the association that they were a part of. I remember him going through that. I remember him talking about the difficult times they were in and they weren't sure what they were going to do and how they were going to do it. And you know, Him talking about you know some of their Wednesday services where it was just his family there. I remember him talking about those times. But you know what? He stuck it out. He kept going. And now God is blessing their church in a great way. Great things are, great things are happening there. There's many other pastors that I know that just, I mean, for a long time struggled in churches was it was difficult and things were tough, but they just determined they weren't going to quit and they kept going. And all of a sudden, one day, things changed. And they reaped. And you know what? You can ask these guys too. Hey, hey, what made the difference? What happened? Where, you know, I noticed things have kind of taken off for you. What, what changed? I don't know. We just kept going. And the Bible says in due season, you'll reap if you faint not. We've got to keep going. We need to remember that it's God that we're serving. We don't want to give up on Him. We need to, we want to, we need to keep going. And then also remind yourself of what's waiting for you. John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. He just given them some bad news. He said, Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself that where I am, there you may be also. We've got to remind ourselves of what's waiting for us. For example, heaven is waiting for us. A mansion is waiting. There are crowns that are waiting for us. There is eternity waiting for us. We've got all these things waiting for us. If we would think about that, I think we'd keep going. Listen, at my job, sometimes I'm working, I get tired. I, I, I get tired and I want to go home. And I'm going to be honest. You know, stacking boxes in a freezer all day, you know, it's not a hobby. But you know why I keep doing it? I'm thinking about that paycheck. I want to get the I want to get the paycheck. I think most of us, if we're honest, that's why we go to work most of the time. We want to get the paycheck. <laughs> we we want it, we want to, we want to see the money, and so we keep on doing it. And sometimes I got to think about that. Oh, I got to be here for another five hours. I don't I don't want to be here for another five hours. But hey, five hours times yeah, yeah. I think I'll stick around. I think I'll stay and keep on doing what I'm doing. And when we get down and we get tired, we need to think about what we've got heaven waiting for us. You know what? I think I can handle this difficulty that I'm in right now. I think I can. I know I'm tired, but I think I can keep on going because what's waiting for me, it's worth it. And our time on earth, our just our time on earth. This is our time to please God. So I'll serve God in heaven. No, now's when we do it. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please Him. It, when we are in heaven and we see heaven and we see God, we've met Him face to face, we've stood before the throne, are you going to have faith anymore? No. You won't need faith. It's, it's right there. It doesn't take faith for you to believe that I'm standing here today because you can see me standing here today. There's no faith involved. In this, but faith is our faith is what pleases God when we work by faith. 
When we serve by faith, believing that there is a reward waiting for us, believing that there is a heaven and that there is a God who's watching us, that's what pleases God. And if we love Him like we're supposed to, that's going to be our desire. We're going to keep on pleasing God. So we've got to remind ourselves of what's waiting for us. Our time on earth is our time to prepare something to give Him. Revelation chapter 4, verse 10 and 11, it talks about the four and twenty elders, which I believe represents the church, the saved. And the Bible says that they're casting their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, power, and riches. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Why are they casting their crowns before? Because. He's the one that deserves them. We don't deserve any of those things. He deserves them. And we have something to give back. Well, where did they get those crowns? Well, they got those crowns. We see, and I'm not going to take time to read it, but in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I challenge you to read verse 1 through 8. Paul talks about, he says, that's where he says, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that love His appearing. God is going to, when we stand before God someday, there's rewards that He's going to give us. And you know what we're going to do with those rewards? We're going to take them. We're going to give them to Him. We're going to have something. That's all we're going to have to give Christ. I want to have something to give Him. I want to be able to lay something at His feet. Have you ever been somewhere and, you know, you, Maybe it was a birthday party or something. You know, they always say no gifts, but everybody brings a gift, and you're the only one that didn't bring a gift. It's like, oh, I wish I had something to give, you know. And uh, I take if you put no gifts on there, I'm not bringing a gift. I take that very seriously. I believe in respecting people's wishes, and plus I'm a cheapskate. But <laughs> but when it comes to Christ, hey, I don't want to do that. I want to be able to give Him something, and that is why you know that's what helps me continue. To labor, I have I have to remind myself of that. If you're not careful, sometimes you might just be thinking about me. Well, guess what? I'm gonna I might get on your bad side every now and then. I might get on your nerves or upset you. And if you're just serving to please me, well, then it's only gonna last for so long. We've got to learn to look past each other and look at who we're really serving. Is Jesus Christ. Because if you're doing it for me, you're doing it for the wrong reason. If you're even doing it for somebody else in here, it's for the wrong reason. We do it for Christ. He has got to be our first love. In Ephesus, He knew their labor. He saw their labor. He, he pointed out, hey, I see what you're doing. But somewhere along the lines, you left your first love. He said, I want you to go back and do the first works. He said, do the first works. Just start loving me like you're supposed to. I don't care if you all have the perfect music program, the greatest, you know, I mean, I don't care if you've got the best soul winning program in your church and you guys are doing all your doctrine correct. Listen, there's people out there that don't know their Bible very well, but they're doing their best. And they might even be getting a lot of things wrong, but God sees their heart. He sees they're doing their best and they love Him. And I think God is more impressed with those people than somebody that's got all their I's dotted and T's crossed, but they're just going through the motions. We need to. Serve. We need a labor because we love Him. And that has got to be the priority. So let's all stand together, our heads bowed and eyes closed.